welcome. You are listening to the Willamette Investors Network Multifamily Show. We are a nationwide network of investors, syndicators, and industry professionals that invest in real estate together. We believe that investing is a team sport, and our goal is to connect you with the people, experiences, and education that will help you along your journey to multifamily success. Welcome to the Win Multifamily Show. My name is Daniel Homland. Today, our guest is Tyler Chesser. Tyler is a successful real estate entrepreneur and personal growth thought leader who believes anything is possible by combining effective real estate investment with constant and never-ending self-improvement. Tyler is the co-founder of CF Capital LLC, a real estate investment firm which focuses on acquiring and repositioning multifamily assets in the southeast of the United States. He is also the a founder and president of Chesser Companies, which provides its cornerstone of exceeding value through high-performance coaching and consulting for real estate investors. And last but not least, he's the creator and host of the Elevate podcast. Tyler, welcome to the show. Daniel, my friend, I need to have you follow me around with that beautiful voice and introduce me <laughs> into everywhere I go. It's great to be with you, sir. It's good to be with you too. So tell us for those of us who don't know you, and this this is my first time getting to know you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started and what you do for your clients. Sure, absolutely. And uh, no, thanks again for having me. But uh, just to give you a little bit of, a, I guess, a very high level about myself. I got into real estate uh, after really uh, beginning my career and started to you know, climb the corporate ladder, so to speak, in my W-2 life. Uh, I, I began my career Uh, as an international marketing specialist and was working with folks all around the world uh, with a company and introducing and launching a brand in, you know, the Middle East, in Asia and South America, Eastern Europe. And so I was always fascinated with uh, the psychology of business and consumer behavior and the reasons why people allocated certain certain values to brands uh, within their mind and also within their behaviors. Uh, for so long. And so that's that's what fascinated me about marketing. But I was the opposite of fascinated with the political aspects of the W-2 corporate life. And so, you know, I learned very quickly that that's what corporate America was about in many different ways was about, you know, w- what type of politics are you playing? You know, because if you want to ride that ladder, you've got to play the game. And so I learned that very quickly. And I was, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of taste for that. And so after a bit of time, I started to become very dissatisfied with my life. Uh, just in that sort of environment and learning to grow and sort of understand, well, what is it going to take for me to, you know, get somewhere else? What is it going to take to me for me to get to a place where I wasn't just tolerating my life? And I, long story short, I learned that real estate was an option that I could consider. And it was interesting because as I was considering that option, I had no idea about real estate. I didn't know anything about it. I also didn't know what it meant to be an entrepreneur because the first thing that came to my mind was, hey, let's dust off this resume and start to interview with other corporations, other companies. And so long story short, you know, that was my first stop. But then I started to find, well, wait a minute, is this actually going to get me to a new circumstance of life that would make me more satisfied or more fulfilled? And long story short, I realized that that wasn't the case. And so I ended up getting my real estate license, started selling residential property on the side learned very quickly that I didn't enjoy that as well, but it was my first step into the real estate business. And so that was about seven years ago. And as I got into real estate, I learned about cash flow. Of course, the first introduction I had, you know, about building assets and building real wealth was from a man that we all are familiar with, Robert Kiyosaki. And of course, that opened my mind tremendously. And I started to look around and say, wait a minute, 
the opportunities are endless and really what I can do in the space is endless. And so then I transitioned into commercial real estate, started selling commercial properties, started investing in multifamily real estate. And so really the rest is history, but that's really my background and, you know, very high level of where I came from and where I am today. And that's interesting because I, I think your, your story is very common. You know, it's similar to my own story. Even um, I'm an engineer at Intel. I enjoy what I do there. I don't necessarily really enjoy the politics, which comes along with, with some of it. But um, I kind of wonder, as a coach, how many of the people that you coach also have that same story? Or do they tend to be very different stories? You know, it's, it's very similar to a large degree in many ways. Um, I will say that, you know, like we just, I just signed up a husband and wife client literally this week that uh, they both have very successful careers, um, actually in the technology space and otherwise. And what they've found is that they just don't like their lifestyle. They're actually fulfilled by their work, but they don't like their lifestyle because they're spending so much time commuting back and forth. They're not getting to spend as much time with their family. They can't call really the direct shots of their life. And so what they've recognized is that the lifestyle that they've designed as a result of being a professional is not what they want. And so they've seen that being an entrepreneur and perhaps taking a different route through real estate can create real wealth and real options for them. And so, you know, I think it's, it's maybe it's a varying degree of the same story, but I find it to be very fascinating because I never really knew about this growing up. I really, I never knew, you know, I didn't grow up from a family that had an entrepreneurial background. And I don't think it was because they wouldn't have tried or wouldn't have wanted to, maybe they just didn't have the information as well. So I was kind of pressured into the situation where it made me make these decisions because I was so dissatisfied with my life. But I do see that in, in a very large way because now people recognize, hey, you know what, there is a different option here. And perhaps real estate is a great avenue for me to take. All right. One of the questions we always ask people on the Win Multifamily Show is what areas of the country are you operating in? And why do you like those areas? Well, I am located in the Southeast US. And of course, you know, that that is uh, also very coincidental that we've had a great uh, migration pattern over the past decade plus that has really seen a tremendous amount of movement towards the Southeast. And so we focus on the Southeast, not only because we're geographically located here, but we also love the trends. We love the, the migration pattern. We love the po population growth. We see the job growth as well, which is obviously extremely critical as it relates to success in multifamily real estate. So we focus on Kentucky, Tennessee, and actually Southeast Ohio as well. Uh, we like Cincinnati and sort of the surrounding counties there. And we have a lot of influence and relationships in those states. So that's where we focus. That's great. Tell me, tell me a little bit about Kentucky and Tennessee. Why, why those areas? Um, are, are you finding that it's income-based, appreciation-based? What, what is drawing you there? Yeah, so Kentucky in particular, so we're located in Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky. And so we have a ton of relationships in the space, my business partner and myself, and we have a ton of influence there. So we find that it's it's great for us to find opportunities. And obviously, that's important from a competitive standpoint on acquisitions and dispositions as well, obviously maximizing the value of those deals. You know, it's not really a boom or bust type of a, a market. You're not going to see tremendous amount of appreciation as you might in some other major uh, metropolitan areas. Now we focus on Louisville and Lexington, as well as the Northern Kentucky kind of Cincinnati MSA 
uh, as well as a Bowling Green, which is one of the fastest growing uh, smaller metropolitan areas in the United States as well. But, you know, you're seeing a lot of job growth from a logistics uh, standpoint. You know, obviously where we are today, Amazon is the is the king of the jungle in many, many different capacities. And uh, many other distributors are located in this region uh, due to just the geographical location. You can actually reach about, I think it's 75 percent of the United States within a day's drive. And of course, Amazon has in invested, you know, a billion dollars in their most recent airport uh, development in Northern Kentucky. So those are just some of the some of the reasons. But as far as workforce housing, you know, you see a lot of folks that are working in manufacturing, a lot of folks that are working in distribution, logistics. So you see that and there's a lot of growth there. Tennessee is a is a little bit different. It's a very, very friendly business uh, climate. We were talking about earlier with, a, with re regard to another state that we're involved in as well, but Tennessee in itself, you know, low or actually no income tax. So you see a lot of uh, businesses moving there. Obviously, Nashville has got many different components of a, you know, very thriving, uh, you know, metropolitan area. But as, of course, you see Chattanooga, which is in between Nashville and Atlanta, you know, right there, it's got a ton of growth. You see Knoxville has got a lot of exciting things happening. So those are just some examples of why we like both of those states. All right. Can you can you describe for me a little bit of what a typical deal in one of these states would look like? And from particularly from the passive investors point of view, what what does that look like? Well, I, I wish I could say a typical deal is easy to really point at right now because this market is so odd. It's so bizarre. Yes, and I'm is. sure you would you would yeah. uh, concur to me there. But, you know, Unfortunately, I wish I could start with, all right, well, cap rates are X, right? It's, it's pretty interesting. We were just talking about uh, deals and you were talking about a distressed deal, perhaps maybe to a slight degree that's, you know, 70, 75% occupied. And we're actually looking at a deal as well that's 60% occupied right now. We see a tremendous amount of upside and we're seeing that as an off-market opportunity. So we don't look at cap rate in this particular opportunity as really a metric that we're looking at. But you know, we typically focus on cash on cash and obviously internal rate of return is is one of those metrics that, you know, whether or not certain, you know, things happen, you know, we'll hit a certain IRR. So we try to not make too many assumptions there. But, you know, we're typically looking to hit about an eight to 10 percent cash on cash and over, you know, five, seven, 10 year hold. And we're seeing more of our deals, you know, sort of fall in the latter uh, half of that spectrum, especially in this this time of the marketplace. So, you know, we're seeing, you know, anywhere from 14 to 16 to 18% IRR, depending on the level of risk that we're associated with. And on our deals, we're offering, you know, typically 7% uh, pref, you know, 70-30 split, and then there being waterfalls there thereafter for, for passive investors. So pretty typical, um, but we always try to deliver beyond expectation. So, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the things that we're seeing right now, you know, perhaps our lower cash flow in the first year or two while we add value, we're always looking for, you know, ways to add value. Um, but that's in general, but happy to go in depth on any of that. Yeah, and I was going to say that's that's usually fairly typical for a deeper value add deal. Of course, you're going to be putting a lot of the initial uh, finances into the construction, into the renovation, into the amenities that are going to be going onto the property. And you will start seeing that return once, of course, you start filling the rented units and the renovated units. So uh, are, do you typically do value add deals or uh, are there other types of deals that you do as well? Yeah, we do typically value add deals, B and C deals, um, but we are opportunistic. I will say this is a very unique marketplace. 
And so, you know, while you're seeing very compressed cap rates on some of these value add, even C product deals in solid C markets. So you look at that and you say, well, this is highly competitive. You know, do you want to buy a four and a half cap deal that, you know, perhaps you're stabilizing at a six cap in, you know, year four or five, or, you know, would you consider an A class deal, which perhaps in the short term is considered a little bit higher risk due to the circumstances, due to, you know, affordability concerns and all of these different things. But you look at it and you say, well, wait a minute, you know, obviously the asset itself has a lot less risk from a physical standpoint. So we're flexible. We always try to be nimble. And we don't have to fit, you know, a, a, a square into a, a round hole. And so we're always very flexible, but that we do our core is value add, uh, because that's what we know best. And that's what we know delivers, you know, typically the best value. But of course, we're open minded, and we trust but verify every pro forma that we look at. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about your coaching program as well. I I know that uh, quite a number of people in this space do, and I've even considered putting together a coaching program. For me, I, I kind of feel like we have a great way of investing. I love the fact that we're not investing with, with Wall Street. We're investing on Main Street. We're investing in areas and with people rather than, you know, in large institutions. Um, so that, that for me is a personal selling point, And I know it is for some other people. But I feel like we've discovered a good way of connecting to and adding value to communities and getting an investor return on that. And it's great to be able to teach it and to share it. Um, what's your take on coaching? Why do you coach? Well, when I got into the business, I didn't know anything about real estate. As I mentioned, you know, I was overwhelmed and, you know, being an entrepreneur in the beginning, it was like, you know, even though I was experiencing some early success and many people were saying, wow, you've done so great. You know, I was very challenged in many ways and I felt like I was pushing a boulder up a hill. So I was always looking for ways for how can I become an expert because I felt so overwhelmed every time I'd have a conversation. I'm like, what is he talking about? What does that mean? So I'm going to look things up and I'm like putting all these pieces together on the fringe. And of course, over time, you know, it starts to get become more of a clear picture. But I decided to hire a high performance coach early on in my journey as well. And that helped me accelerate, you know, from where I was to where I wanted to be. And so I just enjoyed that process so much and continue to enjoy that process. I continue to invest in my own coaching, you know, because it helps me understand sort of what are my own limiting beliefs, right? What are, what are the things that are holding me back? What do I not believe is possible for myself? And that's one thing that I always have to start with, with my clients is that, you know what, sometimes we get into our own way, you know, with the beliefs, the BS, the belief systems that we have. And so we start there, but you know, it comes down, you know, not only from building on a foundation of a solid empowering belief system, but also to how are we structuring sort of our strategic plan? You know, what are we saying? All right, well, what are we looking to accomplish? And you know what, what do we need to do to reverse, you know, engineer that process to get from point A to point B and beyond, as well as then developing systems for support, which is extremely important, as you know, in this business, if we're going to scale, we've got to design, you know, very specific and supporting systems, whether it's, you know, a team, whether it's technology, whether it's checklists and processes, you know, a flow of really a cohesive business together. And so developing that with my clients is extremely important. And that's something that I do. And then beyond that, it's about time management. It's about how are you spending your 168 hours in the week, right? You know, because you and I have the same amount of time in the week. Jeff Bezos has the same amount of time in the week. And also the individual on the corner who's asking for you to donate a dollar to them has the same amount of time in the week. It's just a matter of how do you spend that. So it's very, very important. 
you know, for, for myself and my clients to recognize how are we maximizing and optimizing our time. And beyond that, it's about accountability. And that's what I find to be extremely important in a coaching relationship with someone who's going to hold your feet to the fire. So that's what I do for my clients. And at the end of the day, that's really kind of the big picture there. All right. I want to dive into a little bit of specifics there. You said your coach helped you accelerate your, your program or your schedule or your velocity in your business. What, what specifically, what limiting beliefs, perhaps, if you're willing to share them, did you have? Or how did they help you accelerate your business? I, I think it's a great question. I appreciate it because, you know, it's interesting because our limiting beliefs can be so pervasive. And I, I'm, I'm an individual who would consider myself to be fairly mindful and someone who's committed to always updating my knowledge and always being willing to observe my thoughts in a certain way to say, hey, you know what, is that true or is it not? And looking back, there was things that I was telling myself very subconsciously that, hey, you know what, you need to just pay your dues before you can do that. You know, there's you got to got to put in your time before you can really do that type of deal or make that kind of phone call or be, you know, worthy of being in a certain meeting or a conference call or something like that. So it was kind of a pervasive thing. I think it's really interesting. I see it with many of my clients, even very high performing clients that will tell themselves, well, I can't do that deal because of X, Y, and Z. And you start to uncover these things. And it's, it's like a labyrinth, as, as corny as that sounds. And so that was uh, really kind of an interesting way for me. And once I recognized that, wait a minute, you're just telling yourself rational lies. Like that's, you know, it's what Tony Robbins says. It's like you're rationalizing why something can't happen or why you can't do something. And so then I started to become more aware and more mindful of this. And I started to say, you know what? Who's to say that I can't make this phone call? Who's to say that I can't make this offer on this deal? Who's to say that I can't raise $5 million for the next deal that I'm going to do? You know, because I can only accomplish what I tell myself is possible. And so for me, that was, I know that's kind of still a general concept of a response for your question, but it was very pervasive in many different ways. And I find that to be the case for many folks. Yeah, just to throw this in, one of my limiting beliefs was that people would not be happy if I called them directly on the phone. And so I, I found myself at one point in my career sending a lot of email, not necessarily getting a lot of response and wondering, do these people really want me to bug them? I mean, they <laughs> gave me their phone number, they gave me their address, they signed off on my investor intake form, but should I really call them? Mm. And when I started doing it, of course, um, one of the, of course, preparation is always <laughs> key and yes. making sure that you're friendly. You're not there to, to, to sell them something. You're offering them an opportunity. If they want to join you, they can. And if they don't, they don't. And if they need more info, you should be there for them. But once I started calling people, you know, the amount of gratitude that I felt from people, the amount of connection that I felt to those people was really quite empowering. And so I find that when we are able to break through some of those limiting beliefs, we find out that, um, that other people are there to help you. And quite frankly, they're, they're a mirror because like you said, we tell ourselves things subconsciously. And I, I honestly think that the most, the person who thinks they're the most open-minded may in fact not be. <laughs> and it's hard to tell if you are or aren't. I, I don't actually think a person can tell that by themselves. They need a community to tell them. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's important. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of the, the phrase ignorance is bliss. And I, I actually don't think that's the case at all. Because, you know, the more you realize you don't more, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know, right? The more you learn about your subconscious mind, the more you realize how many other 
you know, programs are automated, at, you know, beneath the surface in my own sort of belief system. And it's really fascinating once you start to start, you know, digging through this and then you can start to act more appropriately because that's, you get yourself in a position where you can then serve others. As you mentioned, you know, it's not about, Hey, I'm, I'm selling you something. I'm offering you an opportunity to invest with me or I'm offering, offering you an opportunity to do a transaction with me. And so I, I think it's a very important shift. Yeah. I, I like how you said how many systems we have buried within ourselves. Um, because I, frankly, you know, we're fairly sophisticated animals. We operate at a high level and we've got lots of layers upon layers of actions that we've built up just like uh, a person who drives stick shift, you know, doesn't think about moving the stick very much anymore. They just do it automatically. And so sometimes we have to go and understand what it is we're doing automatically and, and sometimes break it down and remove it and build something better. Absolutely. All right. Tell me, tell me a little bit about your podcast, and then I'm going to open it up to just general, what would you like to tell us about your business, your coaching program, anything that you want to talk about? Sounds great. Yeah. Elevate is all about personal professional growth and real estate investing, because I've found that 80% of your success in anything is your psychology. 20% is the mechanics. And so, you know, with Elevate, that's what we talk about is about how are you investing in yourself? How are you updating your knowledge? How are you, you know, optimizing your health? How are you optimizing your fitness? How are you, you know, learning new information, becoming multifaceted, multidisciplinary so that when you show up in your business, you've got a wide range of skills that can be, you know, sort of adaptable towards anything, right? And we look right now, it's like, what's the most important thing you can do? It's be flexible, you know, because you look around and things are changing very rapidly. And so it's about, you know, managing your emotions, you know, high stakes pressure, showing up for negotiations and, you know, making, you know, additional value or creating additional value that can be substantially more than, you know, hey, what can I do to, you know, put tools and tactics into my, my process. So that's very important for us. And so Elevate is, uh, it's all about how can you elevate to the next level? My belief is that there's always another level. And so we talk to folks, you know, whether it's Seth Godin, who was on last week, or whether it's, you know, Tony Robbins son, Jarek Robbins, uh, whether it's Dave Asprey, you know, the sort of biohacking father of biohacking. And, you know, so we talk about that stuff, but we also talk about real estate. What can we do to maximize our real estate business? Because real estate is really, you know, as you and I would agree, one of the greatest wealth creating vehicles in the world. And so it's a vehicle that can create an outcome in your life. And so it's about creating and optimizing your life through the combination of personal growth and real estate investing. I love that we have the opportunity to offer that to other people. I know. It's amazing, right? Yep. It's a beautiful, beautiful community to live in that we can not only create wealth for our families and give that to other people as well. All right. Are you ready for a lightning round? Let's do it, man. What is the best part about being a real estate investor? Ooh, the best part is being surrounded with other people who have a growth mindset, because I think it's required for long-term success is that you have to, you know, recognize that, you know, where you are right now is not the end game is that you're going to continue to grow. So I think it's a beautiful thing, as we were just mentioning, that you're surrounded with other people who give to others and they know that the better that they become, the more that they can give to others as well. So I think it's a, it's a beautiful industry to be in. I'm going to take just a second in the lightning round to comment on that. I, I very much agree. And that's one of the reasons why I like real estate. Um, oftentimes, more than my personal job, 
Um, <laughs> even though I do like my personal job, I'm quite the technophile. But um, real estate is an avenue for me to push myself and, and to grow because of it. And I really appreciate it because of that. All right. Second question. Who is your ideal investor or client? Ooh, my ideal investor or client um, is somebody who's growth minded. I mean, at the end of the day, they're they're participating with me because they see a greater future for doing so, right? Whether they're investing in one of our deals or they're investing in coaching with me, that's the ideal person is someone who's inspired for a greater future. What's a mistake that you have made or somebody else has made and what did you learn from it? Well, I've made so many mistakes, and uh, so it's it's tough to really isolate on one. But you know, the, the beautiful thing is, and I'm I'm sure it's a reason why you're asking, is that mistakes are a seed for a later success, right? And and failures are a seed for a later success. So I, I've made many, but one that I come back to frequently it was the very first deal I ever did was an eightplex, and I made every single mistake under the sun. One of which was not establishing the appropriate team. And I got crushed on that thing for a while. And I was having sleepless nights. I mean, I, I bought a deal with a loaded rent roll with an, with an underestimated capital expenditure budget and so many different things, so many different problems. Uh, but I learned so many lessons. So I guess my biggest lesson was, you know, while I would look back and do things differently, I still wouldn't look back and not have taken action on that particular deal uh, because it's given me the opportunity to have so, so many more sort of I guess, uh, thoughtful approaches and thoughtful strategies that I can then build on. So that's one that I would point to. Yeah. So you mentioned a loaded rent roll. What did you do in order to fix that? Uh, I had to really absorb it. I mean, I had to evict half of the, half of the units, half of the, uh, the tenants there that were Mm non-performing. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things where I could have actually now I do a lot better due diligence. Uh, lease, I can tell you the lease audits are a lot more robust especially when we buy a 200 unit deal, because uh, that oh, could yeah. be very disastrous. But, um, but yeah, that was, uh, we had to, we had to, you know, bite the bullet. It was my deal at that point, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think oftentimes, you know, we trust the numbers that come over from either the seller or the broker, but due diligence is key. Absolutely. What is a book, a website, a resource that could help us with our investor journey? I'll tell you what, um, you're going to think these are interesting. I'm giving you two here because um, they're not directly related to real estate, but one of which I think is highly important for us to manage our emotions. I think the best investors in the world are those that can be sort of, that can live in equanimity, so to speak, and timeless wisdom from an individual called Marcus Aurelius, the ancient Roman emperor, uh, wrote a book called Meditations 2000 plus years ago. So I highly recommend that book if you want to bulletproof sort of your mindset and your psychology and really remain calm in sort of challenging times or good times, right? And so I think that one's a really interesting one. Another one is Sapiens uh, by Yuval Noah Harari. So if you want to learn more about the history of humankind, I highly recommend that one. And you might find it interesting to say, well, why are we talking about that on a real estate show? I find it to be extremely important for us to understand where have we come from, not only so that we can understand our own psychology, our own biology, and all of these things that relate to how we behave, but also how other people behave. If you want to influence other people, you know, it's very, very important to be, you know, someone who can influence other people in this business and for the right reasons, of course, but both of those books are highly important. I found Sapiens to be fascinating, uh, but both uh, very useful in my journey. 
Believe it or not, you are the second person to recommend Marcus Aurelius' book, Meditations. And I actually, I remember it was about 40 or 50 episodes ago, I told him I was going to go back because I had started it and I never finished it. <laughs> and I haven't started it since I told him that. So now it's been twice, I better go do it. This is your invitation, my friend. <laughs> All right. And lastly, how can the Wind Multifamily listeners get in touch with you? Yeah, they can, uh, you know, reach me at uh, tylerchester.com or they can go to cfcapllc.com or of course, if they want to learn more about Elevate and listen to Elevate podcasts, they can go to elevatepod.com. All right, Tyler, thank you so much for coming on the program and I have to return the compliment right back to you. You have a great radio voice. Thank you so much for uh, your your experience in doing real estate down in the Southeast and the coaching program that you do in order to help people break through the challenges that they have in order to maximize their business. And thank you for the Elevate podcast. We'll uh, put links in the show notes to all of those. So, Daniel, thank you so much. I appreciate you. you having me on. Have a winning day. Hello, Win Multifamily listeners. As you know, this podcast is all about learning to work in teams so that you can buy cash flowing multifamily properties. If you'd like to learn more about that, please click subscribe. If you're interested in the type of investments that we do at Along Capital, please go to alongcapital.com slash investors. That's Alon, A-A-L-O-N, capital.com. We'd like to set up a one-on-one -on -one phone call with you to talk about your real estate investment goals. 